Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 5 of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 7. Genesis 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that Jehovah God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For Jehovah God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, before we we begin tonight, I'd like to uh, make a correction concerning something I said when we were talking about verse 4 in a recent study. Uh, in, in verse 4, uh, I'll read it again. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that Jehovah God made the earth and the heavens. And and God um, said the same thing basically twice, but the second time, instead of saying heavens and earth, he said earth and heavens, putting the earth first. And I said that the only other place in the Bible where that's the case, where you read earth and the heavens, was in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, which is a verse that brings us to Judgment Day in the time when God is destroying the present universe and creating the new heaven and new earth. Well, I was incorrect, not about the conclusion that that is um, still uh, correct that God does have in view the creation of a new heavens and new earth by doubling this statement in the way that he did. But I was incorrect that that is the only place in uh, the Bible where earth is uh, outside of Genesis 2-4, where earth comes before the heavens, or earth is mentioned before the heavens. We have a listener who sent me um, some verses where earth is in position before the word heaven. And I'll just go to the verses. There's four of them. First Chronicles 21 and verse 16 it says, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel Jehovah stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. So there is one place. Another one is in the Psalms. Psalm 148 and verse 13. Let them praise the name of Jehovah, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth 
and heaven. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 3 is the third place. And it, it says, And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven. And one last place is in Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah 5, verse 9, where it says that I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So in these places, earth is listed before heaven, just as in Genesis 2, 4, and just as in Revelation 20, verse 11, uh, it, it was a wrong statement, actually a careless statement for me to make. And, and so I'm very glad that a listener sent in these verses so we could correct that. Please disregard what was said in that earlier verse about that and, and, and take, uh, note of these other verses, um, that, um, were just read. Okay, now we're going to continue here in Genesis 2. And we've seen that God has um, created the world, but he's also spent some time focusing in on the the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ when Christ died and rose from the dead, which formed the basis of this world and of the world to come, the new heavens and new earth. And of course, it, it, um, it was the work that saved the people of God, the elect, and, uh, so that God would create a new heaven and new earth in which those elect people would inhabit. And, and so all was uh, was finished. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. Christ was a lamb slain at that point. And, and, and that's, uh, much of the reason for the awkward language. And again, in verse four, these are the generations or the beginnings. And, and in one place, it's the birth. Uh, the, the same word is translated as birth. These are the generations, the beginnings of the heavens. And of the earth, and as we've mentioned before, uh, every other place the word generations is used, it, it involves descent, uh, from, uh, of people from one generation to the next. And, and here, it, it also involves people from uh, the people of this earth to the people of the new heaven and new earth, God's elect, as God's elect will inherit the earth. They, they will be, um, in a, in a sense, the ones that descend from mankind that has lived upon this earth. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that Jehovah God made the earth and the heavens and the day is pointing to Christ when he rises from the dead and, and becomes light. As light identifies with salvation, he's the light of the world, 
and God creates the sun to typify that light, to picture that light, and and forms the day in order to illustrate that spiritual reality that Christ is the essence of salvation through his completed atoning work performed, uh, yes, we'll say it once again, at the foundation of the world. And, and so here, in the day that Jehovah God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For Jehovah God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. And, and and then the Lord says, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And verse 5 also seems awkward and unusual. It's it's fairly odd that that God says these are the generations when they were created in the day God made the earth and the heavens. We could read read this in the day. Uh, God made every plant of the field. Okay? In the day, God made every plant of the field before it was in the earth. And that's the same idea that we've been really stressing, or God has been stressing, and we've been recounting as we've been seeing um emphasis placed upon it in in these statements that the idea is that before the world god established the gospel christ finished the works and before the world was created god made the world not only this world but the new heaven and earth through that finished work of jesus who who became that foundation of the world. And here, now God is saying something about plants that, that he made in the day God made every plant before it was in the earth. Now, how do you make a plant before it's in the earth? That is before it's made. Because if it's in the earth, then it's made, it's formed, it's, um, it, it's a bush or a shrub that, that, uh, that, um, is right there on planet earth. And, and so we, we get it. We understand. Okay. God made that plant, that shrub, that bush, that vegetation. And, but here God in the day he made the earth and the heavens. He made every plant of the field before. It was in the earth or before he made it. He made the plant before he made the plant. And, and also every herb of the field before it grew. Now that, uh, we understand a little bit better the way it's written, but basically again, God is stressing and he's putting his finger on salvation that was completed. The finished work of Christ. Because what do plants and herbs and, and growing things represent in the Bible? God likens vegetation to 
the the uh, those that he saves or or to um the the gospel going forth and producing life or vegetation is a picture of the word of god and salvation in isaiah 35 verse 1 it says the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose so the growing of um, plant life is a picture of salvation and you could keep reading Isaiah 35 to see how how God is talking of the the word of God the gospel and and he likens his word to water or rain and the rain produces um vegetation or or it causes it to grow and and to flower and to bring forth fruit remember the word of god is like a seed we're told that the seed falls on the hearts of men and in that parable in Matthew 13 and and sometimes it falls on good ground and comes forth fruit or the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed a plant and in that case it would refer to Jesus himself but the bible is full of illustrations concerning husbandry or or plant life and and picturing the salvation or or the the gospel of the bible bringing salvation and and therefore in the day again the christ is the day. I'll, I'll repeat that verse in Psalm 118 in verse 24. This is the day which Jehovah hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And, and, you know, I used to see that verse, um, written on an egg carton. Uh, when, when we buy a certain brand of eggs, you open it up and there was that verse. And a lot of people take that verse to, to sort of give a little positive encouragement. This is the day. And they're, they have in mind uh, this present 24-hour period. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're thinking God made this day, and that's true. And so let's rejoice and be glad in it. But actually, the spiritual meaning of this is Christ is the day. And, and see how that fits? This is the day. That is the day of salvation, the day of victory, the resurrection from the dead, the formation of gospel light as, as the light, um, penetrates the darkness and, and brings the sinner out of the dark to the light. Remember when we looked at, uh, several verses where God likens light to salvation. This is the day which Jehovah hath made. And that's what God said in Genesis 2-4. In the day that Jehovah God made. And then again here in uh, Psalm 118-24. This is the day which Jehovah hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. it and And we could understand that. Rejoice and be glad in him, in Christ. He is the day. That, that day also, um, 
is in view in Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And when was Christ declared to be the Son of God? Through the resurrection of the dead. Not in 33 AD. From the foundation of the world, he died and rose again, declared to be the Son of God. And at that point, in eternity past, because it was, uh, when we say the foundation of the world, a lot of people think, well, it's it's at the precipice. It's it's at the point where God created the world. No, it the foundation of the world is Christ's resurrection from the dead. He is that foundation when he successfully made payment for the sins of his people and rose. He he arose from the dead and. And he was declared to be God's son because he was the firstborn from the dead. At that point, it became the day, the day God has made, the day that it's the foundation of the world, but it was performed in eternity past. It's um, just a useless thing to try and and speak of eternity passes some point in time. Our minds want to think, well, it, it was the day before God created the world. But there are there was no time in eternity past. It was accomplished, a finished work in eternity past, and and so we can't think of it as happening the day before. It 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 just happened before the world. And and when Jesus rose, he became the world's foundation. And that was the point of the foundation of the world. In eternity past, the day was made before there was time. Before uh, there was a sun, moon, and stars. And we discussed that also, how God made the light in Genesis 1 before he created the light bearers the celestial bodies that that uh, later on day four, he would attach the light that had already been created to the light bearers. And from that point on, the movements of the celestial bodies would govern time and, and light would be uh, connected to their movements. But, but however, the light was already made first, pointing to Jesus dying and rising from the dead first before the world was. You know, the more we study the Bible and look into these things, the more we can see how um, key, how central, how extremely important the doctrine that Christ made payment for sin from the foundation of the world really is. We we would be struggling with several verses already, and we're we're still early in Genesis chapter two, trying to understand things. But once we have grasp of that biblical fact, and it is a biblical fact because God plainly says it in Revelation thirteen verse eight, Christ the Lamb slain 
from the foundation of the world. Once we have grasp of that biblical truth, then we have a basis for understanding why God created light before he created the sun, moon, and stars. How it is that he formed Adam and counted Eve as already being in Adam. And and other things like uh, this statement concerning the plants. That God made every plant of the field before it was in the earth. Just as he made Eve before she was formed out of Adam's rib. When When God looked at Adam... He looked at them in the day he made them uh, male and female, and he called them Adam. Adam was created, but God saw them because she was in him, and she pointed to the elect. In the day God made the earth and the heavens, he made the plants of the field. The plants of the field spiritually representing God's elect, once again, they will be the fruit. They will, they will be the rose that, that blossoms once the water of the gospel is established and sent forth into the world. They will be the blessing that, or experience the blessing of God's salvation program. And, and, and so once we have that firmly in in our minds and and we uh understand it correctly that oh god he's continually looking at things as being finished as being done as accomplished before he created and the reason is he's continually directing our attention to this wonderful truth it, it it's sad. It, it really is that there are some people that they insist. They insist, despite all evidence, despite the fact that you cannot have remission of sin without the shedding of blood. They insist that you no know, Christ died in 33 A.D. and shed his blood then, and God, um, in principle, um, he he granted. That shed blood to all the Old Testament saints before it was actually shed. The Bible doesn't mention that, that idea of in principle with the shedding of blood or, um, or Christ is the firstborn from the dead, the Bible says. And, and then we look in the Old Testament, we see Moses died. Moses is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and talking with Jesus and Jesus has not yet died. Moses had to be resurrected to be on the Mount of Transfiguration. He died. He was resurrected. Wouldn't that be born from the dead? And he, and prior to Christ in 33 AD, dying and being born from the dead? Another contradiction. That theologically, they come up with some word, well, in principle. In principle, Christ is the firstborn from the dead. Everything's in principle. Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It says in two places in Revelation. Well, in principle, you know that that's um, an easy thing to do uh, for a theologian to to ponder things and not be able to explain them, and therefore 
to come up with a statement to explain it all away? In principle. In principle. Don't you get it? Well, yeah, but you're continually contradicting the Bible with your principle. And that the Bible doesn't say Christ is a lamb slain in principle, that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead in principle, that um, there, without the shedding of blood in principle, there can be no remission of sins and many other things, many other things. There's, there's all kinds of difficulties until you have the proper order of things. And, and, and so, yes, it's true. God waited until the time of the end of the world where we're at to open up this information to reveal to us the proper order of things concerning the atoning work of Christ. And I don't know why the Lord did that, but he did. And all you have to do is examine church history and the writing of theologians, and you'll see how they stumble all over these things all throughout history. So saying, well, all throughout history, the church has taught Christ died in 33 A.D., Yes, and the church has stumbled around the subject concerning all these points all throughout history. So that's no evidence or proof that we must maintain a doctrine that has not been able to answer these questions apart from coming up with the the statement in principle. No, that that is not a sufficient answer. You you have to harmonize the word of God and we have been seeing great harmony. We don't have any problem with uh, there first being the shedding of blood before remission of sins because Christ shed his blood. He died from the foundation of the world. We don't have any problem with Christ being the firstborn from the dead because he died from the foundation of the world before there were any people. Of course, He's the firstborn from the dead, and he died and rose again. And, and everything very easily, doesn't it? We don't have to um, shove it into place or or jam it in, uh, you know, like like a, a square into a circle trying to make it fit, uh, which is what statements like in principle are trying to do. But it just fits very well because of that one bit of information. It's a humbling bit of information. It's a reason why many refuse to submit to it because it's a humbling thing to maybe have thought that you knew uh, everything that took place on, on the cross in 33 AD. Oh, you, you, you knew all about it to come to the realization you didn't know anything about it. A demonstration, a tableau that Christ was showing forth the things that he had done from the foundation of the world, that it, it's very humbling. And yet, that's the nature of the Bible. It humbles us. It makes us to come to the point where our pride has to be sacrificed and we have to bow the knee and submit ourselves to the Bible's teaching. And, and, and some on various points... It's different for different people. They refuse to bow the knee, to humble themselves before the word of God. It's God's gospel. 
It's God's Bible and it's God's doctrine that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. And at that point, payment was made indeed in works, not in principle, but in actuality. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.